the lectionary passages for this morning continue to line up amazingly with what we're currently facing as a community. When we hear Psalm 130, as we did in song, doesn't this feel relatable right now? Are any of you praying like this these days? My Lord, listen to my voice. I'm crying out to you from the depths. Hear our cries for mercy and relief. Weeks and months into this virus, our world remains confused and frustrated, even though we're trying our best, given the circumstances. Yet the psalmist also speaks of hope. The psalmist says, I hope, Lord, my whole being hopes, and I wait for your promises. We are waiting. Frustrated, yes, but also hopeful. Just like the psalmist, we still watch and wait for the dawn of a new day. Pair that with our gospel reading for this morning from John 11. It was a long story, so we decided to read it dramatically for you. It's important for us to reflect on today the story of the raising of Lazarus. As we saw, the story begins with Jesus hearing of Lazarus' illness, but he waits a couple days to go see him. And even when he decides to go see him, the disciples beg him not to. Rabbi, they're trying to stone you. They're going to stone you if you go back. Are you sure about this? Jesus insists, claiming that God's glory will be revealed. So the disciples begrudgingly follow along. And when Jesus gets there, we find out that Lazarus has already died, and he's been dead for four days. This is a significant detail. In a book about funeral practices, pastor and teacher Thomas Long notes that it was a common Jewish practice at that time to let a body lie in the tomb uncovered for up to three days at least to ensure the, spirit, the person's spirit would make its way completely out of them and not linger around in the tomb. So when the text says it has been four days since Lazarus has died, it's emphasizing to the original readers, he is truly dead and gone. There is really no hope of him coming back. But Jesus has other ideas. Despite the protests from his disciples, the risk to Jesus' life, the outcries and frustrations of Mary, Martha, and others, the odds being stacked against Jesus with the time that has passed and the illness that has claimed Lazarus' life, Jesus insists that Lazarus will rise. And not just at some later point far off down the road, at the future date of the capital R resurrection, but now Lazarus will rise because Jesus himself is the resurrection and the life. No amount of doubt or sickness or death could change that. And so indeed, Lazarus, excuse me, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus comes stumbling out of the tomb, still wrapped up in his bandages. And many people are naturally in awe of this and come to believe in Jesus. Others, interestingly enough, take this as the last straw and use it as justification for arresting and killing Jesus. When we look back at this story, does this not also feel 
relatable to us right now. An illness claiming the life of a friend and brother. The odds being stacked against us. The threat of our lives and the lives of others if we engage and don't stay isolated. Protests and outcries from the community at large. It's not one for one, but there are certainly echoes of our own story within this one. But here's the detail that I find most significant for us to consider today. Listen again to these verses that say what Jesus does when he is around Mary and the other mourners. When Mary arrived where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying also, he was deeply disturbed and troubled. He asked, where have you laid him? They replied, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to cry. Did you catch that the first time? Jesus began to cry. Some translations simply say, Jesus wept. This is literally the shortest verse in the Bible, yet it says so much. Even though Jesus knows what he's about to do and he knows the presence and power of God more fully than anyone else, he was still overcome with grief and sadness. This tells us something significant. Even though we maintain hope for better days and the new life ahead that God will provide, God is still present with us now in our suffering and in our pain. Indeed, God knows our pain. God weeps with us and mourns with us. God knows our frustrations and our deep longings. God is not above our problems. God is in them with us. Jesus weeping helps us to see that. As one of my favorite songwriters, John Mark McMillan, puts it, I've got no answers for heartbreaks or cancers, but a Savior who suffers them with me. The heart of my maker is spread out on the road, the rocks, and the weeds. This is true for any difficult season we face in life, but it's something we sure could be reminded of right now. We're facing something none of us have ever experienced in our lifetimes, a worldwide pandemic, an illness that is claiming the lives of thousands and infecting hundreds of thousands globally. We're being forced to isolate and quarantine from each other. People are working from home or worse, losing income altogether. Graduations are canceled. Wedding ceremonies are postponed. Childcare is all over the place. Care for the vulnerable, like our neighbors on the street who we feed on Mondays, that's getting even more complicated with restrictions on gatherings. We're rushing to get all these things, these measures in, trying our best to do our part, but every day brings something new that brings us down and forces us to restructure and reevaluate the way we live our lives. As we said last week about the waves, it's all overwhelming. Many of us are frustrated and exhausted trying to figure this out. And yet, and yet, God is still with us. God knows our struggles and our hurts, 
And God is still faithful. And we, as the people of God, claim that as our hope. Even when all the odds are stacked against us, we maintain our trust in God and believe that this is not the end. The best is still yet to come and still ahead of us. New life is still springing forth. We can still be called out of the tomb. That is what our faith is all about. God's goodness and love having the last word and our deep trust in the faithfulness of God. Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead is a sign of this. Jesus calls those present with him who are mourning the death of Lazarus to maintain their trust in the power and faithfulness of God, even though Jesus himself is mourning with them and the odds are stacked against him, or at least seem that way. We are invited to do the same, especially now. We are called to remember the hope we claim, that our suffering and pain will not be forever, that God will, and even now is, redeeming all things and making all things new. But our hope is not so future-oriented that we ignore our problems in the present. It's a hope that we maintain in the midst of our struggles. Jesus wept. We can weep too. Just like the psalmist, we can cry out to God for mercy and salvation. But when we do, we'll be reminded again and again that God is present, that God is faithful, and that God's love never ends. So in this season of waiting, our Lenten waiting for the joy of Easter morning, and our waiting and watching for how this situation unfolds with COVID-19, I pray that even in the midst of our pain, we may find hope and meaning through our faith. This might not come easy. We may be like Mary and Martha who said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, this would not have happened. We may be like the people who said, he cured the blind. Why couldn't he do the same now? Frankly, I think that's fair to say. God is okay with us raising those frustrations. But our faith tells us that God not only came to be with us in Jesus, but is even now still with us, present in our suffering and understanding our pain as fully and completely as we do ourselves. Yet the call always remains to claim and profess our hope in resurrection and new life. And it's a fair question to ask, well, that's fine for the future, some far-off day down there, but what does resurrection look like now? What does that mean for us in the present moment? I don't have an answer to that that fits in my pocket. But what I do know is that if we maintain our focus, if we're attuned to God's presence and the movement of God's Spirit around us, we'll catch glimpses of it when we least expect it. We'll know the power of resurrection and new life when we see the signs of it all around us. Right now, I see it in the time families are getting to spend together at home or going on walks outside. I see it in the gift of technology allowing us to stay connected. I see it through adults helping make sure kids who aren't at school still get fed a decent meal every day. I see it in people and businesses sending out resources to others to make sure we're all supported in this time. These are just glimpses, but I remain confident that I'll see more. 
I pray that we all continue to see more and see it more fully. I pray we all come to experience new life and God's resurrecting power made known in the world. I pray we all know and remember that God is with us, that God is faithful, and that we have reason to remain hopeful for new and better things to come. May it be so. Amen.